0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez studied theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville and at the Angelicum in Rome. He holds a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. He has worked for the church in various capacities, including as a teacher and administrator and is currently on the faculty of the School of Faith. His expertise includes Catholic social teaching, and his writings on the subject have appeared in several national Catholic newspapers and periodicals. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints and the Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I'm your host. Chris McGregor. Welcome, Omar.
1: Thanks, Chris. Good to be back.
0: We continue with our study of the compendium of the social doctrine of the church by looking at chapter six, an area entitled human work. Talk to us about what we're experiencing now as we dive deeper into the compendium.
1: Well, at this point in the compendium, we're in the second part. We're starting to apply some of the principles of the first part to our real lives. And so we had an opportunity in the last couple episodes to talk about the family because it starts with the family. Marriage and family is the heart of the social teaching of the church. That's where we have to start. And that we get from, the companion gets that from the Second Vatican Council and the teaching of the the fathers there. But now that we talk about the family, which was chapter 5, we get into chapter 6. And from now on, we start applying it to specific other areas of our lives. And in chapter 6, we talk about human work, labor. And of course, this was the great issue that started you know, the social teaching of the church was, was the question of labor and capital and the rest of it, thanks to the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century, and, and thanks especially, of course, to Pope Leo XIII, who we've talked about so much here in previous episodes.
0: It's interesting that it begins by speaking of creation, mm-hmm. and we see that very often in teaching after teaching, that it goes back to sacred scripture and it goes back to the actual origin of mankind, doesn't it?
1: It absolutely does. I mean that this is um, uh, work has been with us since the beginning, and and sadly, actually, we have a tendency to view work as a punishment for the original sin of Adam and, and Eve. What the Compendium tells us, and this comes from uh, really from Pope Leo, and, and especially from Pope John Paul II, his wonderful, wonderful encyclical on human work, laborum Exercens, in 1981. What we realize, we find out, is is work is, is labor is part of the very nature of, of man. It's, it's 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 what we were meant to be. I mean, even Adam would have had to have, you know, gather things and work to a certain degree. It's the pain and the suffering that comes for work that's part of the, the punishment. But work itself is a grand and noble thing. And and we'll find out as we begin to unpack the meaning of work how by working we end up being able to participate in the continuing creating process that began there in Genesis.
0: It's always important for everything to go back to the creator, that ultimately, no matter what we do or what we accomplish, it all has its origins in God. So therefore, actually, those things truly do belong to him. Exactly.
1: That's an excellent point because as one of the other many gifts that we get from him, we should always remember that we need to, to, to make sure when we labor, the, the work we have, the ability to work itself is a gift. And this is something that Pope Benedict XVI had talked about in his last encyclical, Caritas in Veritate, where he, he talks about having a sense of gratuitousness, of, of thanksgiving. When we uh, have this attitude of, of thanks for even the work that we're given or have the opportunity to, to, to have, Less than does work end up becoming the kind of drudgery uh, that we normally associate with. Work ends up becoming a gift, and therefore something we can look forward to. Because even if it's difficult, and even if, and a lot of it is right, and even if it's uh, something we don't look forward to, we can offer that up right back to God as a gift back to Him. It's something we can offer up at the offertory at Mass. You know, we're we're asked to bring those things up, offer you the 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 pain and suffering of your work at Mass in the offertory.
0: It's so important too that we remember the Sabbath rest. Yes, <laughs> that sure. that is right there in the very beginning. And it, how often are we exhorted on a during a homily on Sunday to keep that day holy? There is an important reason for that.
1: Absolutely, God Himself rested on that same day. That's it's a, it's a day set apart. That old uh, Hebrew understanding of setting something apart to to make it sacred. That's a Shabbat means something sort of set apart means we have to set a part of our life aside just for him. And, and what the compendium is going to say and the social teaching is going to say and the, all the various encyclicals and things is, is to say that we need to set a certain day aside, Sunday being, of course, the most appropriate, for, the, for, for God and for family and to, and to be careful that we guard that day in particular.
0: It's important for employers keep in mind as well.
1: Exactly. And in fact, Lilo XIII talks about that as in a specific obligation of the employer in, in Rerum Novarum, which started this whole thing in 1891. And in, in the various lists of things he gives, he, he says the employer is charged not just with the physical well-being of his employees, but also their spiritual well-being, so that they have time, right, to to, to rest and to have a spiritual life and, and to guard them from those things that distract them from the spiritual life and their own faith. Uh, but he mentions specifically making sure they have time to rest on a day, because rest is part of of, of what human beings need as well.
0: I envision right now, Omar, someone who is listening to this and saying, but I have to work on Sunday. Yeah. What's the principle that we should bear in mind?
1: Well, the principle is that you set some time aside for God. Even the mm-hmm. compendium is going to admit that there's going to be instances where you can't set aside the Sunday. Maybe you're in a field where you have to. If you're a realtor, for instance, you have to work on a Sunday because other people don't work. Mm-hmm. But you have to set some time a single day aside just just for you and God and for you and your family and that that that's the main thing sunday of course is the most appropriate and we shouldn't spend all of sunday working if we have to work if we can avoid it but we we want to try as much as we can of course the other danger is when we say things like that i have to work on sunday we have to define what we mean by have to right mm-hmm. I, I remember as a student saying well i have to be able to study on sunday well you know, maybe if I'd, I worked a little bit harder on Saturday, I could have avoided studying on Sunday. So uh, those things we have to take into consideration as well.
0: There is a real opportunity to ponder deeply an important mystery that God, the creator of heaven and earth, came to us as man, but a man who worked. Yes. He could have come and been a man of leisure. He could have <laughs> been served, and rightly so. And yet Jesus came as one labored.
1: Yes, and this is right from the beginning of this chapter in the compendium after they talk about this, you know, Genesis and, and work being a part of the very nature of man. It talks about Jesus a man of work because that's significant. When when Christ became one of us, we should really pay attention to how he came, how he lived, etc. And we know for, you know, the 30 some odd years of his life, you know, in, that's shrouded in mystery, that he was a man of labor, that he was taught and lived in the house, the roof of a man of labor with St. Joseph the worker and and we have that beautiful day at the Feast of May 1st, uh, the Feast of St. Joseph the Workman, to, to remind us of the nobility of work and that this is, this is something we're called to do. Jesus exemplifies for us then the fact that uh, labor is, is something we can be called to. Labor is a, is a service. Uh, it's a service to the, to the, the grandeur of God. If, if, we can, if we can follow the example of the Word of God who made the earth, who created the world, then certainly we can be, uh, get closer to that God that we love.
0: Ultimately, all work somehow benefits others. I mean, when you look at it, not just ourselves, but the farmer as he is toiling in the field, he is providing something that benefits others, somebody who's working in a factory is doing something that will ultimately have a resource that will benefit others. It goes on and on, doesn't it? It's, we end up experiencing community.
1: Exactly. In fact, you know, g- going way back when we started this these, these series of conversations, and we're talking about the, the, the points of the social teaching and communion versus opposition, work is one of those things that brings about communion because, as we know, work requires cooperation of, of many people. And so uh, we we end up bringing communion together, and that's why the compendium will say, again, toward the beginning here, is that that work represents not just a kind of participation in the creation of the world, uh, but also participation in the redemption of the world. And part of that redemptive notion is is not just, as we were mentioning before, sort of offering up our sufferings for the sake of of, of Christ— but also building the relationships necessary to bring our brother into heaven. We've said many times, right, that getting to heaven is not a, a private enterprise, right? You don't get there alone. Work helps create the relationships um, that, that can that help us bring others to heaven and help them bring us to heaven.
0: It is good then that we work. Would we say that it would be bad to try to accommodate someone and provide for them? in a, a life of leisure.
1: Right, yeah, and, and here this is a very important point, point. Um, one of my favorite philosophers, Joseph Pieper had a book called Leisure the Basis of Culture and, and in that argument, in that book he makes the argument that, he, that one has to have a certain sense of leisure and, and so he brings out that importance of rest, right? Mm-hmm. rest for the sake of something grander though not rest for some sort of mind numbing uh, entertainment
0: ultimate end
1: ultimate end exactly so that has to be there but the but we have in our society maybe particularly in america but i don't think it's just us right, the sense that we work for this period of time so that we can do nothing at the end of our life so that we can mm-hmm. just you know, sit around and not do much and, and read what we want to read etc or or watch our favorite tv shows uh, somebody once said that uh, um, what americans do is watch tv that's what we do and that's that's a shame Labor work is something that is is good. <laughs> it's industriousness is something that's good. You know, even in the scriptures, Saint Paul is going to say, you know, if they they will not work, they don't eat. In in that community of the early Christians, encouraging Christians to appreciate the work ethic is something that's part of the social teaching of the church because we need to get back to this notion that labor itself is good. Labor itself is redemptive and humanizing, and so therefore should be something we're striving for and not labor for the sake of not doing anything later.
0: I think of the little nanas that will work so hard to prepare a meal for the family. Mm. That work is in itself something that sanctifies whoever shares in that, as well as those who even in the years of retirement take up crafts or hobbies or things that they do that ultimately help and are beneficial to others.
1: Yeah, I know many uh, retired couples who spend their time now in – outside of a certain kind of work, working in another way by volunteering and helping others and being head of prayer groups and, and working in their parish, that's the kind of, of a model that we encourage everybody to have, to lend the, the gifts one has for the sake of the community and to move on. You know, the early church fathers helped us understand how to change this view of work because in, in the ancient world, Labor um, was considered to be uh, the work of lesser people, um, the, the activity of lesser people. The slaves, uh, the lower class labored, right? It was the upper class who, who read and who governed and did these other things. What the Church Fathers teach us is that work is, is the work of, of, of human beings, the opus humanum. It's what we're called to do, and there's a nobility in that. That was a, a real shift, Right? in the Western thought that Christianity kind of brought, that the work itself is a good, is of benefit, and that there's an ability to it, even if you're the lowest peasant. Right, That labor is, is wonderful. And of course, the labor, as you just mentioned, in the home is the, the most noble of works because it is the most humanizing.
0: We'll return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez in just a moment. This is Dr. Anthony Lillis and Chris McGregor, and we invite you to join us in a a once-in-a-lifetime Discerning Hearts Trinitarian pilgrimage throughout the Holy Land. This will be a unique opportunity for contemplative prayer, spiritual teaching, and fellowship in one of the holiest areas on the earth. The place is touched by the lives of Jesus, Mary, and and the apostles. During this time, we will also walk closely in the company of the prophet Elijah through the most miraculous moments in salvation history, our history, which would later become pages in the Gospel. Along with Sister Magdalite Balduc of the Community of the Beatitudes, the community of the famous Father Jacques-Philippe, we hope to lead you into a new encounter with the great mysteries of our faith and a renewal of your devotion to the Lord. Join us May 26th through June 2nd, 2020. Please visit discerninghearts.com for a full itinerary and learn more about the contemplative Discerning Hearts Trinitarian Pilgrimage to the Holy Land. The Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.
1: If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts.
0: We now return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez. The reason we're, dare I say it, laboring over this issue of work hmm. is because there is an intrinsic dignity that goes beyond our current possible definition of work. Yes. That is that work, it does not have a value unless there's a monetary attachment exactly. to it. Exactly. So if somehow I'm doing work but I'm not earning Money or the same amount of money as somebody doing something else. That somehow there's a lesser value to that contribution.
1: That's an extremely important point. What what the what the church teaching and social teaching is going to try to explain to us is that labor has a value in and of itself apart from the exterior imposition of a price tag. Right. That work has to be seen in terms of how it's associated with the individual, or, or put it this way. Actually, this comes from paragraph two sixty six. The compendium says, human work, directed to charity as its final goal, becomes an occasion for contemplation. It becomes devout prayer, vigilantly rising towards and an anxious hope of the day that will not end into heaven. And then quoting John Paul II, the compendium says, in this superior vision, work, a punishment and at the same time a reward for human activity, involves another relationship, the essentially religious one which has been happily expressed in the Benedictine formula, Ora et Labora. The religious fact confers on human work an enlivening and redeeming spirituality. Such a connection between work and religion reflects the mysterious but real alliance, which intervenes between human action and the providential action of God. I mean, that's a noble, that's, that's exciting. Imagine in the labor you do, it doesn't matter what kind of labor, in the labor you do, you are engaging in a potentially contemplative, spiritually deep activity by pushing them up. Right? That's amazing. Why
0: this is so anchored also in the intrinsic human dignity of each person is so important is because each person then is created uniquely and is given gifts by the Creator that are unique to that person. So somebody who has been placed in this world and has an artistic ability, Mm -hmm. or someone who is placed in this world has a mathematical or an engineering type of ability, those should be fostered by the community and encouraged, because by their very nature of that gift through that person, the community is receiving a gift from God.
1: Exactly. That's precisely it. That's exactly the idea, is that God continues to help and serve us through through our neighbors who are laboring. Now, that, that The activity, the communion that we create in our labor is, is an expression of God's love for us because he's the one behind the gifts that are being used for our service.
0: So a society that doesn't value that expression of those gifts, whether they do come through the arts. Mm-hmm or through other venues. Maybe it's something who who has a a, a caring, nurturing nature, somebody Mm -hmm. who has the ability to be able to care for others in a a unique way. If the fullness of all those different gifts are not nurtured and one gift in particular is valued over those others, Mm The, the society is devoid of the fullness it could experience
1: exactly. It, we have a tendency to detach the the labor from the person and, and just look at it in terms of the price tag or the, the value it has for this and, and the other thing when we when that happens we we fail to realize that because it comes from a person, it comes from God uh, because that that person's made in the image and likeness of god and and it goes back to our previous conversations in the first part of the compendium of the, that fundamental dignity of the human person right. Labor, work—the fruit of that work—is a wonder, is a noble thing, because it comes from the God who created man, who is noble in and of himself. The sense of gratitude that I mentioned before, gratuitousness that the Holy Father has been asking us to adopt, is wrapped up in this notion that we should we should see the labor of the other people as a gift to us, because they could choose not to work, but they choose to, to do so anyway.
0: I mean, we can see it, days gone by and centuries gone by, literally, that it. Took different forms. How that would look in a culture. I'm, I, I'm thinking of those who lived in villages or in, mm-hmm. in communities, it, say in Europe in the mid in the Middle Ages.
1: Right. Yeah. And and there there was a, a sense of work that was. A- uh, more in tune with the human person because the the, the the work was immediate and the benefits of it were, were clearly seen. And this was, of course, the, the crisis then of the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century after the Middle Ages, where we had gotten away from connecting labor with the human person. With the, with the rise of technology and the industrialization of labor, the companion is going to say what Pope Leo XIII was responding to was this uh, industrialization of labor where, where labor was seen as a commodity, as just one other thing instead of connected to a human person. Uh, as such, then it, a price tag was put on it. So labor itself become capitalized. And so it was subjugated to the question of, of capital, of, of of a price tag, of, of money. And then at the same time, therefore, to, in response to this revolution, industrial revolution, you had what the compendium calls ideological manipulation. So you had Marxism, right? You had the, the socialism and communism that came forward and, and attempted to try to convince the world and the laborer that somehow they needed it to take by violence the power from those who uh, w- worked, but worked differently, in order to take control of the world. That this this monetization, this 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 notion of capital, had to be taken forcefully in order for there to be justice, and, and that's where things started going so far afield. And why the church stepped forward, thanks to Leo XIII, to say, "No, there is a Catholic way to approach this."
0: In reality, again, how this looks, it, we do have to, in many cases, do jobs that will provide necessary means, necessary funds for us to be able to support families and to be able to have certain things in our lives that are necessary. But the, the ideal would be that those jobs would not demand so much of the human person that there would be nothing left of that person to be able to have the, that time to be able to use their gifts in other areas.
1: Exactly. And as we go on and talk about the rights of workers and the personalist approach to labor that John Paul II is going to lay out, again, the principle is always going to be to make sure that the the labor serves the human person and not the other way around. So that if we're talking about labor, which we've already admitted is a good and ennobling thing, but if that labor ends up taking away from the other aspects of the human person, from their ability to rest or right to rest, but more importantly, again, we mentioned family before we mentioned labor, if that if that labor ends up taking them away from their vocation, their personal vocation to to be a father, to be a husband, then there's something unjust there. There's something that has to be rectified because this should never happen. What laborum exercentis is going to say in the beginning here in the compendium is that the labor has to fit the human person, and the moment it stops doing that, it's it's no longer just work.
0: Shuka, when we look at rerum navarum it is easy for us to envision in our minds the sweatshops we've seen in movies and read in books that have been articulated by Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. That is something that we should rail against. Mm. We also can see it, though, today in our world when we look at the exploitation that occurs in third world countries in the manufacturing of so many of the goods that we feel we need to have in the United States, many of those who serve in those shops would never be able to even fathom owning any of the things they're creating.
1: This is very true. Uh, the, the The difficulty with these questions about labor in other countries and the, and the globalization, really, of labor are, are manifold and very complicated, But but certainly the principles that are used have to remain the same. When we're looking at third world countries where there's unbelievably grinding poverty... Uh, the question is does the labor that's being engaged in uh, help to provide the basic needs of the individual are they being taken advantage of do they have uh, you know safe working conditions and all the rest of it and then the next question is uh, if those things don't exist is the good right that they that they they produce through their labor worth the injustices that we've enacted on these people and the answer the church gives is, is no right there's there's never any product right Uh, As wonderful as the iPhone is, it would not uh, justify uh, the potential for uh, unjust working practices in China if that's the case. And and that's where we have to be very careful.
0: Omar, there's so much more that we need to glean from this particular conversation on Chapter 6 of the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church on work. But in concluding this particular conversation today, what would you have us really take away from it?
1: Well, I think because of the um, the, the the biblical um, uh, beginnings of this chapter, I think it would be helpful to do a couple things. Perhaps uh, w- if you read the Psalms or read the Scriptures, uh, to go back to Genesis to read those early chapters and to to uh, to, to meditate on this vocation of, of labor that's part of the human person. But, but more practically, you know, I, you know, I get up every morning, you know, I, and it's and we get up because it's work. And if I had to get up for any other reason. Besides work, I wouldn't get up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we get up sometimes and and it's going to be a tough day or we're back to the grind or or whatever it might be. In those moments, I think it might begin to be a good practice, maybe in the next week or just think about this, maybe during Lent or or Advent, uh, just to take just a little bit of time to say, thank you, God, for work. Um, Meditate on the fact that this work that you've been given, as difficult as it might be, and you maybe have difficult boss and difficult relationships at work, all those those sufferings, those obstacles, or opportunities for us to offer those up, right? For the redemption of of ourselves, for our families, for mankind. When we when we go to work, it's not just about bringing the bacon home and and, and supporting our families and having enough to send our kids to good Catholic schools and the rest of it. It's about forming ourselves and making ourselves the kind of of parents or the kind of friends, or the kind of individuals that can pursue virtue and therefore advance the mission of the Church in the world. So it's a great gift that we've been given. Even in its difficulty, so get in the habit maybe just for a short time maybe of just when you get up, as you, before the first thought comes in, we're like, "Man, I have to go back to work." it's just say thank you, thank you Jesus for this this opportunity to work and and to join you in solidarity with the work that you had here on earth too.
0: It is a part of embracing the cross. Yeah, it's a, a part of living really out the Christian life.
1: Yeah,
0: out in the world. Even if it's embracing a, a job that we really do not like, or we don't want to, to toil at, but we we do it because we love our family. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Or we do it, be- you know. And so take- many
1: are in that situation.
0: Exactly. Or it's someone who has the blessing of doing something they love, yeah. but getting up and doing it as well as they possibly can, right. not for the sake of the object, but for the sake of the creator who g- has given you the opportunity to be able to express your gifts. Whatever it is, it's that embracing it and taking the magist, doing the more.
1: Exactly. And that's a good point, too, because that, that if, we, if we approach the, the day then with that sense of gratitude, then when we get to the workplace, we may be less likely then to, to s- simply shove off an aspect of a work that we don't particularly like. When we begin to realize that the labor, especially the hard parts that we don't like, are are themselves a gift from God, and I'm speaking to myself as I say this myself, you know, um, we we can tackle those things because we love Jesus, because I do this for Christ. I don't do this really um, because my boss wants me to or just because of the money, but I do this because because Christ is calling me to do it in the here and now, in the present moment, and that beautiful, you know, theology of the present moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Omar.
1: My pleasure. Welcome,
0: You've been listening to Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez.